made known to the inquirer that he certainly had been long absent from Russia, more than four years, that he had been sent abroad for his health, that he had suffered from some strange nervous malady, a kind of epilepsy. His interlocutor burst out laughing when, to the question whether he had been cured, the patient replied, No, they did not cure me. Hey, you paid your money for nothing, and we believe in those fellows here, remarked the black-haired individual, sarcastically. "'That's the real truth, sir,' exclaimed a shabbily-dressed man of about forty, who possessed a red nose and a very blotchy face. "'The real truth! All they do is to get hold of our good Russian money for nothing!' "'Oh, but you're quite wrong in my particular instance,' said the Swiss patient, quietly. "'My doctor gave me money, and he had very little, to pay my journey back, besides having kept me at his own expense while there for nearly two years.' "'Why?' "'Was there no one else to pay for you?' asked the black-haired one. "'No. Mr. Pavlichev, who had been supporting me there, died a couple of years ago. I wrote to Mrs. Yepanchin. She is a distant relative of mine, but she did not answer my letter, so eventually I came back.' "'And where have you come to?' "'That is, where am I going to stay?' "'I... I really don't know yet. I...' Both the listeners laughed again. I suppose your whole set-up is in that bundle, then, asked the first. I bet anything it is, exclaimed the red-nosed passenger. Though, of course, poverty is no crime. We must remember that. If you really are a relative of Mrs. Epanchin's and have not made a little error through, well, absence of mind, which is very common to human beings, you are right again, said the fair-haired traveller, for I really am almost wrong when I say she and I are related— she is hardly a relation at all, so little that I was not in the least surprised to have no answer to my letter. <laughs> you spent your postage for nothing, then. <laughs> you are candid, however, and that is commendable. <laughs> Mrs. Epanchin, oh yes, a most eminent person. I know her. As for Mr. Pavlichev, who supported you in Switzerland, I know him too, at least if it was Nikolai Andreevich of that name. A fine fellow he was— I had a property of four thousand souls in his day. Yes, Nikolai Andreevich, that was his name. And the young fellow looked earnestly and with curiosity at the all-knowing gentleman with the red nose. During the latter part of the conversation, the black-haired young man had become very impatient. He stared out of the window and fidgeted and evidently longed for the end of the journey. He was very absent. Excuse me, said the red-nosed man to the young fellow with the bundle rather suddenly. Whom have I the honour to be talking to? Prince Lev Nikolaevich Mushkin, replied the latter. Prince Mushkin? Lev Nikolaevich? Hm, said the clerk thoughtfully. The name, I admit, is historical. Karamzin must mention the family name in his history, but as an individual, one never hears of any Prince Mushkin nowadays. Of course not, replied the prince. There are none, except myself. I believe I am the last and only one. My forefathers have always been a poor lot. My own father was a sub-lieutenant in the army. I don't know how Mrs. Epanchin comes into the Mushkin family, but she is descended from the Princess Mushkin, and she too is the last of her line. And did you learn science and all that with your professor over there? asked the black-haired passenger. But I learned very little, added the prince, as though excusing himself. They could not teach me very much on account of my illness. 
Do you know the Rogozins? asked his questioner abruptly. No, I don't. Not at all. I hardly know anyone in Russia. Why, is that your name? Yes. I am Rogozin. Parfion Rogozin. Parfion Rogozin? Dear me! Then don't you belong to those very Rogozins, perhaps? began the clerk, with a very perceptible increase of civility in his tone. Yes, those very ones, interrupted Rogozin impatiently. He had not once taken any notice of the blotchy-faced passenger. Dear me! Is it possible? observed the clerk, while his face assumed an expression of great deference and civility, if not of absolute alarm. A son of that very Semyon Rogozin, who died a month or so ago and left two million and a half of roubles? And how do you know that he left two million and a half of roubles? asked Rogozin. It's true enough that my father died a month ago and that.